The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. This week on the podcast, we're talking wine in New Zealand and the dog you'll meet when you visit a local vineyard. You know, one of my favorite places that I love going to and, and chatting to the owners and the owner's son. And they've got a great dog there called Vinny, the vineyard dog. You always get a really lovely reception there with the owners um, and their nice little dog. So I was all about the dogs here, eh? Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hey, welcome to the winemakers, guys. This is uh, this is Brian Casey with. We got the whole crew today. We got Sam Paturi, Bart Hansen, and John Myers, and we're talking hey, about hey. talking about gluten free vodka because you know we're still we're still socially distant. We're in the middle of a. We almost did a show yesterday, but the air quality just wasn't quite good enough. We were thinking about doing one outside in Sonoma, but we were up a, up above one sixty on the. What what is that thing? It's purple air. My daughter's EQI. swim team uses it. EQI? EQI, the air quality index. But there's also like debate between the purple air aficionados and the airnow.gov aficionados. And that's like, that's the EPA. And that may be more official and it's a different way of measuring. But either way, you know, 150 and above is pretty bad. That's what we're going to hang out talking a whole bunch, which is what we do. No, you didn't say talking. You said bloviating, which well, I thought was interesting. <laughs> great term. Thanks, so, so, so right now, a bloviator uh, in house, here. Right now, my house it's reading sixty-three. Um, Weinberg is sitting at ninety. Are you on? Uh, you're on purple. Uh, this is on purple air. Yeah. Top of Mount Moon Mountain is at sixty. Is that is what? that friend of the program, uh, Mark Schwager? The, oh, maybe that I is. Yeah. I think he has a purple air. Uh, well, there's there's one. It's funny. The northern number, which is in line with like a north, like Santa Rosa and stuff, is at like 75. At least the view that I'm looking at, and and then farther south, it's more like 66. It's so. nothing like it was Saturday and Sunday. Those were crazy days. Um, uh, we yeah. drove up to Santa Rosa, and honestly, you could barely see the Kunde Hill. Yeah. And it's that bad. I'm not kidding. It's but, yeah. Much you know, better. I say I, I think Sam's I think Sam's um comment on social media yesterday about uh what was it, Sam, about this the air index is like the weather because it just is constantly changing. Did what, I say, what was I don't that? Think I said that? Did I say that? No. I don't know. That's a good that's, I mean that is what I think. I mean okay. it's like, you know, you, you can <laughs> find some clean air if you <laughs> Yeah. It, but, it's it's you know, it's we're talking about stuff in the air blowing in from places, you know, relatively far away. Nothing like closer than 30 miles at this point. So it's and, you know, and if you do, if you spend your whole day staring at purple air because it's real time, you can watch it. You watch it go up and go down and shift and, and you know, again, to to at Cavedale Roan on Twitter was talking about last night that there was 
you know, seemed like this plume probably coming from, from Point Reyes that was going straight from, you know, straight from Point Reyes over Sonoma Mountain and hitting him on, on, on you know, Cavedale Road somewhere, uh, where everywhere else around it was, you know, half the, half the AQI. So it is um, obviously a, a variable kind of deal. Uh, well, I, I think, that, maybe we should ahead. just mention for for those people that don't live in northern california that are listening what we're talking about is yeah. should we start from we, the top as opposed to the yeah well conversation, we, which is where we <laughs> what an idea uh, we're not hi. one hi my yeah. name's sam <laughs> well and what is how many counties do we have uh 14 13 something like that um the only county yeah the only county that doesn't have a fire i think is san francisco Right. So some of them have merged together, but we've got uh, fires going on a little bit early. It started because of uh, thunderstorms that rolled in um, a right. week, like, 10 right. days, 10 days ago. We, we had 10,000 lightning strikes uh, in eight hours. Up to, up to like 13,000 now. 14. Yeah, I, I heard at that point it was 11,000 in 72 hours. So, um, and thank, thank God we didn't get it, um, what was it, Sunday Going into Monday, we were supposed to have an, possibly another storm come in, but I don't think anything really, um, nothing really happened. Yeah, nothing really happened. Thank God. But this is the earliest I think that we've ever had fires, and that thunderstorm was the worst thunderstorm that we had had since June of 2008. So it's not like that happens every year, but it did start things Which off. It was another fire vintage, wasn't it? 2008, Bart. Year. 2008. There was, there was, that was uh, Anderson Valley fires. That was Anderson that was Valley and, and yeah. Valley. correct. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yep. yeah. And, 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 and that was like, it was kind of timed, if I remember right, similar to the 17 fires. It was like people were either getting ready to harvest or were still a little ways off from harvesting and they just got frozen up. Right. Um, Sam, when we were talking the day before yesterday, you said that all the smoke was basically coming from one small fire, 2,000 acres close by. Well, again, this is kind of like with my obsession with reading purple air. <laughs> and, and it's also, again, always seems to sort of be, be changing. But um, a lot of what was happening, and you'd see this on the map, where the south end of Sonoma Valley's air quality was worse than, than Kenwood's. And then you kind of like take that and, and you look at the, the wind direction. And by, by the weekend, we basically had a, you know, an onshore flow, you know, ocean air. And so it's blowing from west to east. And the big fires are, are north south and east of us so you know up in healdsburg that smoke was blowing was blowing east and you know above us and and this whole lake hennessy you know vacaville giant fire is obviously east of us so that smoke was blowing into the central valley and santa cruz and santa clara is south of us so this the little one um it, by comparison's sake is point rays and that's basically due west from here um, so I, I, that was, you know, my speculation is that the smoke that we were getting and, you, you know, blowing through was the smoke coming from what's called the, the Woodward fire. So. Yeah. And I was on a zoom yesterday with someone whose parents lived in Livermore and he was saying it's pretty bad that, uh, you know, right up to Winty brothers. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's there's been pictures out of Lodi that were, you know, socked in with smoke. It's been, it's been the whole state, um, yeah. you know, and again, it's just a matter of um, how much, how often, how far away the fires are for, you know, what kind of effects they'll have on, you know, the, the harvest and such. Sam, did you read Esther Mulroney's article? Yeah, I think everybody, <laughs> you know, it, especially with the kind of headline that it had, um, everybody's reading it and sharing it and talking about it. And, and certainly, um, you know, everybody's preparing for the worst, for the worst, but, um, you know, we're also everybody's kind of figuring out as we go because this is this is unprecedented it's not you know we don't know we don't know so uh, you know there's a lot of like you know a, a newspaper article and a headline is going to try and find some definitives and and is the you know are there people who aren't going to be able to harvest anything and every you know one of their grapes is going to have some smoke taint probably but i don't know we don't know if that's going to be widespread if it's places that were just near active fires you know engulfed in it for a week that was the first time i'd ever heard this 10 days in smoke um theory yeah she was pretty definitive about that too yeah like it was a um it's a long time to soak and smoke i'll just say that right someone else had a weird quote too that about the grapes having already gone through verasion so that they weren't as worried as if the grapes hadn't gone through verasion and been been exposed to smoke which i'd never heard before there's so many barches over there shaking his head there's so many theories and and there's very rapidly evolving science about it and you know bart or brian you have this this backdrop right now of like science that looks all really official. Um, and, and we don't really know, you know, you have this list of uh, right over here, the, the methoguayacol, the guayacol, all these things that show up in grapes that, you know, in wine that has smoke taint, but that also shows up in wines that have never, you know, in perfectly clear air, no smoke. Um, you know, some of those things come from barrels, those compounds. So we don't really know. We don't actually know if those are the compounds that cause the off flavors or if those are just indicators that some unknown compounds are causing the off flavors. So um, there's, there's so much, you know, research happening. And, and, you know, unfortunately, the last five years have provided us an opportunity to research a lot of it and yeah and, it's unfortunate isn't and, it you know frankly the australians are are ahead of us in this research because unfortunately they've had to deal with this longer and in more severe situations than we have so um you know any definitive claim about the overall quality of the 2020 harvest is entirely entirely premature yeah uh, but for those people that don't know out there about smoke taint, I mean, if you haven't heard about it, it's basically just the grape sitting in smoke. And from what I was looking at, the white wines aren't as affected as much because you're pressing them. And, and most of the, the smoke taint is on the skins of the grapes. So that was another article that came out that 
that they think a lot of people will be making rosé out of their red wine because they'll just do a light press on it, get the juice and throw the skins away. Um, and, and the way that Australia was talking about the active carbon that they were using to remove it, uh, the study showed that in white wine, it was much more effective than in the red wines. And that makes sense because of uh, the skin contact. Well, the other interesting thing, and this is from, from Isabel, is the, the flip side might also have effect in mitigating smoke taint. So that um, extended, extended macerations on the skin and extracting a whole bunch of other phenolic compounds, I guess, to sort of cancel out the, the volatile phenols. I'm just reading what's on the wall behind you, Brian. I don't really know any of these words. Um, the, the, the sort of like balance things out. Um, so, but again, everybody's got a theory and everybody has a, you know, a panel of experts that they're talking to. And, you know, the only person that I, people that I know are really going to be successful in all of this is the laboratories and the lab equipment <laughs> supply makers are going to, this is like a great year for them. Um, you know, cause everything, everything that you make this year, um, every grape that you buy, is going to have to be tested. Not every single grape, but every vineyard, every vineyard block that you're purchasing. Um, if you're not doing a micro fermentation uh, and then sending that sample off and also tasting it, because you know, you're tasting and, and, and sensory analysis is a huge piece of this, but you have to send it off to ETS because every grape contract with a smoke clause says a third party lab better send us results before we can void this contract. So um, it's, it's definitely added an extra layer of work to what was already an extra layer of work harvest because of, uh, you know, because of. Right. The yeah. Explain that Sam about micro fermentation because it, it sort of has parallels with COVID-19 testing that we're going through right now. That, right? Was the, that was a funny, that was, that was also an Esther's article, right? Or some I, I think so. Yeah. Um, so what people are doing and, and uh, you know, Joel Burt is maybe showing it sort of the most through social media, um, you know, friend of the program um, is they're going out and you're picking a larger sample than you would for just like sugar and acid analysis and ripeness analysis and you're crushing it and putting it into it looks like five gallon buckets i think that's probably what people are going to be using maybe some you know larger kegs or something depending on the size of the vineyard and fermenting it for at least five days because what the labs are telling us and what the the science is telling us is that um these these compounds that create or indicate smoke taint presence um are binding with sugars and they can't pick them up in just a juice sample. So in order to actually test to see if this is something that is present in the grapes that you're trying to buy or the wine you're trying to make, um, you have to do these fermentations for at least five days. Now, of course, so the, the and the parallels here with, with COVID testing, A, um, what happens in the five days or more between when you actually pick those grapes and deliver that sample so there's you know again does does the wind shift and smoke blow in and you know some things totally change and then you're in line with now literally i'm going to say every lot of every grape 
that responsible winemaking in 2020 is going to be going through some sort of testing like this. And there isn't the testing capacity uh, to do all of that in a timely manner. So now we're going to be, are you, is it going to take a week for those test results to come back? So now you're looking at five day fermentations, an un, you know, indefinite amount of time for test results to come back. And you've either passed your harvest window or something else has happened. You know, it's, it um, definitely makes a, a pretty difficult situation. So I, I had a grower who, sorry, John, you had a, no. you've been holding your hand up. Go. Sam, do you test, do you trust your taste more than those lab tests? Um, I'm, I, I think anybody who had to deal with this in 2017 and whatever other year that they've had to deal with this, um, we're pretty, I, I know I'm pretty sensitive to the flavors and aromas and mouthfeel of wine, you know, wine that has smoke damage. Um, I, that's actually, that's why I, it's why I opened the 2017 Oakville Grenache. This is the only wine that we released from the 2017 vintage that was harvested after October 7th, October 8th, Sunday night, the fires start. Um, we picked grapes after that, but we didn't make any, you know, we didn't bottle anything from it except for this, um, whatever the like whims of wind and maybe Grenache is a better varietal for this, all these different comp, you know, variables that go into this. I, we have yet to pick up what we can determine is smoke damage in this wine. And, and therefore we bottled it and, and released it. Um, so, you know, we're pretty sensitive to it, but it doesn't really matter um, what you say, because in order for these you know clauses in these contracts to to kick in you have to have lab analysis yes okay but i think your taste is probably more sensitive and so i'm going with that sorry bart I, go ahead that's right i was just going to say you know another thing goes along with this for if if you've been buying grapes from the vineyard and know the wines is it's not as much as do you sense the smoke taint or the smoke damage it's it's does your wine not taste the way you expect it to beyond vintage variation? So, you know, sometimes it's, it's not blaringly in, in your face, um, depending on where it is in its time, because it, it's not like we had some smoke tainted wines um, in 17 that I was working with that all through fermentation, they smelt amazing. After fermentation, they smelt amazing. And then there was an issue um, you know, six to eight months later where it kind of started to show itself. Um, so I, you know. Did you put those wines in, in what, what was the barrel situation for those wines? Well, see, that's the other thing is some of those wines went into some nicer barrels. I would say the majority of them went into the ones that we really kind of knew that had to be infected, even though they weren't showing it, um, went into old barrels, but there were some that went into new barrels newer barrels you know yeah and that's what, what this what was your thought process there sam yeah totally well that um one of the things that they think brings it out and and shows it and possibly exacerbates it is is being in oak um and malolactic fermentation in oak finishing fermentation in oak white wines that are that are fermented in especially new oak barrels um so there's you know there's all these factors 
that are going into these decisions right now on, you know, how to ferment. You know, I think that any white wine, you might want to do at least some fermentation only in stainless just to make sure that the oak doesn't trigger something. Uh, and again, and this is to, the, to your point, John, about um, taste versus lab results. Again, the, the, the compounds that we find in the lab results, we are unsure of if those are exactly what's responsible for the smoke damage flavors. Um, so just because they're there or because they're not there doesn't necessarily mean that you can't pick up in, in sensory analysis um, an issue with it. Or, you know, and my point with the barrels is after a period of aging and possibly aging in oak, were those things highlighted enough and triggered enough that um, that you were able to taste them and smell them more. So there's, there's, we're going to learn a lot. This will be a year of trying to figure stuff out. And, and um, you know, I, need, I think you can get away with a lot of experimentation in 2020. Um, and, and, and the other thing is, you know, uh, for listeners out there, in the first time I kind of heard about this was the the Mendocino Anderson Valley fires. And, you know, there were all sorts of comments and jokes about it. Like, Oh, you won't need to use barrels and Oh, it'll be an extra toasty vintage and stuff. And I think what people need to understand, it's not sweet Oak that you get out of it. It's ashtray. It's, it's, um, it, it's, it's dirty ash. Um, and if you've ever been around a fire, area or been in a forest after it's burned you know what that smells like oh it hangs on forever or it really does you can't get rid of it um, yeah. so brian as a sum have you ever opened a bottle that you went holy cow this is totally smoke tainted no but i did have people i remember after the 08 uh fires i was working at a state um saunders italian restaurant at the general's daughter and i remember people coming in and not ordering 08 Pinots that I really liked. I think it was McPhail. We carried, you know, some some nice Pinots from that area. And people would, it kind of became a joke, you know, that people weren't going to order those wines. And then, you know, it was mostly those people that read articles and then liked to talk about it at the table with everyone about, oh yeah, smoke taint, smoke taint. And that was the first time I'd ever heard about it. But I never tasted anything that tasted off or bad. It was just people just not ordering the wine because they they had the um their thought process was that it would be tainted so i think well, that's, and you've never seen anything that's what i'm saying it just uh, does it get out there sam i mean can you tell um i mean it sounds like it does you know, if, okay. so this is a conversation that i've had with jeff Cohn, um who harvested and made wine from Anderson Valley in 2008 um, that he released and has later regretted it because there was smoke damage. And, and you know, A, maybe we didn't know enough about it when he was bottling it. B, maybe as the wines aged, um, it, it released more of it. Um, so, you know, we don't, could have been any of those things. Um, so, you know, I've tasted them. I've tasted those wines because, you know, this was after 2017. He, she showed me one just to see what it looked like, you know, uh, uh, what was 17, so nine years later. Um, and it was there, 
for sure. And it's kind of becomes the, the dominant flavor. Um, you know, that said, they have to be out there in 17, from 17, because I, you know, I know people who were like, Oh yeah, ours are fine. We don't taste anything. And there's no way that it couldn't have. <laughs> um, so they're probably out there. Um, not everybody, maybe people don't think it's bad. I don't know. I mean, you know, I think a lot of it is, is, yeah, I was just say, I think, you know, I don't think people are really, people don't necessarily go, Oh no, 17 was a year. There was a fire. Let's stay away from it. I don't think. And I so therefore then, so therefore how sensitive to it are they? Well, and the other, um, I mean, it's that same thing. John Q public doesn't know what, sorry, you guys. Um, <laughs> John Q, Q public doesn't know what um, cork taint is sometimes. I'm, they just Bart, think it's a wine that they don't like. You're right. I'm amazed. I think if you took 10 normal everyday consumers and, and sat them down and poured them a corked wine, I think seven out of 10 would drink it and not think anything of it. Um, they might not like it, but they would and you know, we're so sensitive to it. I know I, I pull bottles sometimes where I put the cork back on cause I can smell it. It's not bad, but it's definite um, TCA stuff. And I'll, I'll pour it for other people to say, Hey, you should smell this and try this just so you know, going forward, what it smells and tastes like. Um, and they, they don't think there's anything wrong with it, but that's another thing we've talked about with the, with the carrots and the millennials and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes it's just not, it's not as pleasurable. But I don't, I don't know what a smoke tainted wine tastes like. I don't, I don't think that I've ever had one. And if I did, I might think that it was just a heavy toasting on the barrel or I don't know. And to I, Bart, I mean, go ahead. The ones that we made in 17 from mostly from Cabernet um, was, it was unavoidable. Um, and you you couldn't smell that and go, wow, that was a really uh, they put a lot of oak on this, or or um, you know that's interesting smoky. It was it was like this smells like ashtray, it makes your mouth taste like ashtray and feel like wow. ashtray. Um, and and you know that was an incredibly um, uh, intense smoke situation for most of those vineyards uh, at a time in the harvest you know in the in the ripening curve where they had the most sugar that they would ever possibly have um and you know the other thing about it is and this is like it's 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 morbid but what is burning around the vineyard when you know the smoke is in the vineyard uh, affects it um and expects the way it tastes. The the one of the worst was the steel plow vineyard, where homes literally burned, you know, yeah. yards from the vineyard, and those flavors were like metallic and and you just like all the shit that's in a house when a house burns. Um, whereas, you know, stuff that was like the Simon's vineyard, which was probably the most um, had the most saturation of smoke but it was all forest that burned around there. So it still wasn't good, but it had a very different flavor compound and, and aromatic compound, which is why I you know, wholeheartedly believe that yes, we've identified those five compounds that are on your, over your, over your right shoulder, Brian. Um, but I don't know if those are 
the whole story. Um, right. And and so we don't we don't know the whole story. And there's going to be wines from 2020 that again there'll be stuff that's definitely damaged, and there's going to be stuff that has no indi- you know no trace of it. Um, well, so to Bart's point, it's really not the grapes, and it's really not the final product. It's the media that's telling people, oh, oh, eight might have been or 2017 or 2020. So it's all going ahead and going forward. I think it's a positive tool. Everything. I think it. It's going to come up better than we think. <laughs> Hopefully. Sorry, I mean, that's that sounds a little Trumpy, though. <laughs> no, I'm not. I, Believe me. Believe I me. mean, it. It. I don't know. I mean, we're so early. It is and the there's thing. so many. There's so many variables, and I think that's the thing is that you know, to some extent, you have to put your trust into the wineries that they're going to, you know, it's truth right. and advertising. Like you're going to be truthful. Like. We didn't make that wine because of this reason, or, you know, we had a problem and we treated it and, you know, it, that's what people are going to have to do. And, yeah. and, you know, so, yeah. And, and, yeah. and there are people that declassify wines and get rid of them all the time. You know, I mean, it, it happens, Sam, you guys got, had wine that you sold to somebody else, right? It went somewhere. Yeah. It disappeared. I don't know what they did with it. Uh, and I don't, I know that what we got paid for it didn't, um, come close right. to what we had into it uh, right. yeah. and you know in a you take our again this is what i always said you take our thousand gallons and you put it into a million gallons um does that then become oh a hint of interesting smokiness um a little bit of dryness that you could maybe pass off as a you know tannin expression or does it just go away the solution to yeah, just disappears. The solution to pollution is dilution. <laughs> Another good T-shirt. No, probably not. <laughs> Brian, I just don't want anybody to write off the vintage. No, no, and that's, that's and that's, that's not what I'm point. saying. I'm 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 saying that we've got a lot of fires everywhere. It's early still, um, even though people are are picking. It's still early, and you got to rely on people like. Sam and his dad, because um, because we hear stories of this where where people just if if they know the wine is not high quality, just like we're not dumping chemicals into wine, we're not going to release wines out into the public that are not palatable and that don't represent our um, philosophy on you know on business and winemaking and and all those things. So the the bummer for me is going to be the growers that aren't going to get paid. Hopefully, you know, insurance will come through. But if I remember correctly from 17, Sam, you were saying that the way they got reimbursed was based on an average of California wine or something. I think it's, I think it's the county average for varietal, um, which, and you know, obviously it's probably different depending on whatever insurance firm you're using or however it works. But my understanding is you get paid based on, the, the county average for the variety. So if you have Cabernet, it doesn't matter if your Cabernet contract was for $10,000 a ton. If the county average is $4,000 a ton, that's, right. that's what you're going to get. Right. Um, and the other thing is, if you pick the grapes, it's essentially impossible to get reimbursed on insurance for, for it. Right. So you have, to, you have to leave them out there or you have to cut them to the ground and not bring them in, um, which sort of adds this level of importance to 
you know, whatever sort of this micro fermentation testing plan that we have in place is going to be because, you know, if you're a winery or a vineyard owner and you can't afford to, you can't afford to make a mistake on that. Um, you know, some expensive mistakes are going to be made for sure based on, you know, optimism or false positives or false negatives. I mean, you know, here we are, it, the, the, <laughs> there are really a kind of an insane and s- sickening amount of uh, parallels to, to the COVID situation. We don't know. It's out there. We don't know where it is. We don't know if we're going to get it or how we're going to get it, but we might have it and we might not have it and we can't get a test anyway. Uh, so wear your mask and don't kiss anybody. I think is the plan. <laughs> yeah. And, and John, I guess what I, just to summarize kind of what I was saying is I don't want consumers to think they can't buy wine from 2020 if they see it, if it's out there and you know, in stores or your the people that you trust make to make wine are offering it, then, you know, chances are that's going to be a, a solid wine. Um, yeah. But that's interesting about dropping the fruit or not dropping the fruit. If you do have a vineyard that has had some serious smoke damage, then it, do you just leave that fruit out there and that kind of settles into your um, soils? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... it's. Or is there a way we can get some, like, some uh, goats or sheep to go eat it and then eat the sheep that have a nice little smoky right. flavor to them? Like- pre-smoked pre-smoked (laughs) little marination yeah you know again this is a year this is a year where experimentation Experimentation. brian is going to be encouraged and and important so if you want to find some sheep to run in some vineyards that aren't getting harvested or a bear those abarico pigs that they feed the acorns to like that that would be Give them yeah. some of the, just load them up with grapes and get some nice little uh, flavor uh, compounds yeah, going. My friend uh, Ross Kennard used to raise pigs over there in the middle of uh, the Durrell Vineyard, essentially. Uh, and he had, there's like a, basically an overgrown giant fig orchard. And when the figs started falling from the trees, they would run the pigs out there. Um, and they would, you know, just ground score on rotten pigs, on rotten figs, figs for pigs. And um, that was some of the most delicious uh, pork that I've ever eaten. So could be something there. Could be something there to run in some pigs and some smoked out, uh, yeah. you know, Pinot Noir and vineyards or something. Um, AA, on a positive note, Bart and I got to, um, got to see some Pinot come in yesterday uh, for Steve Law over at McLaren. And Bart, I don't know where that vineyard is. I know who he got it from, but I don't know exactly where the vineyard is. But that stuff was pretty. Uh, yeah, I think it was in Green Valley, if I remember right. Um, so, you know, uh, it, it was part of the Dumal estate. And they've been harvesting off the vineyard for a number of days now. And um, they've sent in numbers, it sounds like, or they're doing it you know, themselves using their nose and their mouth. And they haven't noticed anything. So, yeah, the fruit looked really good. Um, smelled smelled great you know three different great. clones one of them the aromatics were just beautiful but th- but they all tasted great and smelled great and i didn't i didn't pick up anything at all on that fruit yeah so yeah, again, i think we're just gonna have to see right yeah yep just another uh 2020 uh, wait and see <laughs> yeah how is it looking in the fields how is your fruit the tangy is it looking beautiful it it looks good out there um you know the fires aside um 
the weather that we had in the last week, you know, that kind of precipitated all of this um, with you know, this crazy extended and very hot, hot heat wave um, stressed some things out and stressed out some farmers that might be related to me. Um, and, and, but everything has kind of come through that pretty well. Um, you know, we had some concerns about stuff that in some of the later ripening, later, later variating, later variation kind of varieties. Um, and thing, you know, if, if it gets hot enough and the vine shut down and you're not through variation, you'll never get through variation. Um, and there was definitely stuff in the middle of last week when it was 105 degrees, hadn't finished variation, um, and now has. So that's a, that's a really good sign. Um, and, you know, then, then of course it becomes the factor of going through foration during smoke. What's the sugar during smoke situations, how much smoke, um, you know, then, but now at least we've gotten past that one hurdle and can start to have those, those other discussions. Yeah. You guys, well, you guys are in a, I guess, a sort of fortunate situation, Sam, that you guys are managing the vineyard. So you can go in there and just pull samples whenever you want and, and run them through lab tests. You know, I guess there's some smaller winemakers out there that are kind of dependent on someone else making the, making the call for when they're going to get their fruit pick. So, um, you know, smaller vintage, I mean, John was saying there's, you know, there might be a silver lining in this. It might just be that there's so much wine out there right now. There might be less this year, um, made or, you know, Right. Well, that was exactly the point that one of the wineries in, in Esther's article was talking about, which is, um, you know, they have so much wine. We have, there's so much 18s and 19s in barrel and in bo recently in bottle that, um, you know, it would be a squeeze and certainly noticeable both in, you know, in every winery's bottom line and every wine shop and the whole deal. But um, there's going to be people who skip, the 2020 vintage and um, are totally fine. Uh, yeah. They have enough wine. They were selling so much wine into what's basically a non-existent restaurant market right now anyway, that um, they can skip this vintage and it's probably better, definitely better than, than not skipping the vintage and paying a bunch of money for, for smoke tainted wine. Um, right. so, uh, you know, I think a lot of people will make that decision and wisely make that decision and, and come out the other end in a better place. So, you know, we were, uh, and, you know, we'd been talking about a, an oversupply and a glut in the California grape market for a few years. Right. And, <laughs> and certainly, um, if there is a silver lining in all of this, it's, um, a big readjustment of the grape market and the wine market and of shortening of supply and also probably a downward uh, adjustment in grape costs um, that could, that could make this a, a stronger industry and, you know, financially sound industry next year. Um, you know, there's probably on the flip side, there's going to be casualties in that too. There's people who aren't going to make it through this, weren't going to make it through this with COVID. And now, you know, you add a, a vintage that's at least has the, the media taint of smoke, if not the real taint of smoke. Thank um, you. And, and that's a big point. Um, you know, that's, that's gonna, it's gonna hurt people and, and some people aren't going to make it through. And, and, you know, again, if you were precarious going into COVID, uh, this is definitely 
you know, could be a, a, a the, the final nail. Yeah. And unfortunately, just like COVID and the restaurants, it's probably the smaller guys that are going to be more affected because they just don't have the, the cash flow to, to make it through. Right. Yeah. You know, but also the middle guys, um, you know, if you have a lot of wine, if you're making a lot of wine and you have, um, you know, even if the brand identity is maybe it's a smaller winery, but you really make a lot of wine that goes into the restaurant world. Um, you know, this is, this has been really tough, um, for that sort of like mid-sized winery. Um, yeah, I mean, we've certainly had uh, guests on the show that, you know, have had success and were growing their brands and then they get hit like this, you know, it's gotta, it's gotta affect them, especially because the wine industry is such a cash flow um, dependent business. Yeah. Online presence, I guess, you know, direct to consumer is, is sort of the, was the way to go this year. Bart, did you, have you been up to the um, Shannon Vineyard since uh, the fire started? Uh, I have not. I'm going up on Thursday. Um, I was, uh, Hardy has been doing some great posts on his Instagram feed. Um, and uh, Yeah, kind of trippy though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's always got some good data in there, you know, and so he shares some information with me. He goes, seems like he goes up there every Sunday. Um, so I'm going to go up on Thursday and grab a sample. And, you know, the last time I was up there, they were as stated, they were little tiny bunches with little tiny berries um, and no sugar accumulation really at all three weeks ago, call it. Um, and Hardy was saying that it was kind of like one in every 15 berries that would be sweet um, when he was there. So um, it's getting there. Uh, yeah, you know. Usually when it's like one in eight, um, I believe is what, how he kind of judges it. When Hardy then picks. It's time to, <laughs> <laughs> then when he, that's when he like starts to get amped up. Um, so, uh, you know, we got a little ways to go. So I'll do my own experiment on, on Thursday. Is yeah. there, is there enough up there that you feel like you could pull, um, a, you know, three and a half gallons worth of juice size sample to do a micro firm or you're not worried about it? Uh, you know what, I, I guess I'm still unclear and I need to talk to some people, uh, you know, there's, I've been watching the fire cams up there, the closest one to kind of point towards it. Um, I also watch the cameras on, uh, uh, highway 101, you know, the Caltrans, uh, cameras mm -hmm. and, and I haven't seen any smoke in that part of Mendocino County, um, uh, per se. Uh, so I, I don't really know what to think. Um get together with him and see what his feeling is uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna grab a good sample and it may not be three and a half gallons but i'm gonna do some sort of little micro fermentation um yeah i went today up to um the the valley of the moon vineyard you know at abbott's passage i'm getting some zen there and um it, it, it's i grabbed a nice size sample of that and i'm gonna kind of see what it looks like um but again like the days that i've been up there since this has started there's been smoke around, but it's, I don't feel as it's been encapsulated in smoke. And today when I was up there, it was quite clear. Um, but maybe I'm just being ignorant and hopeful. Um, <laughs> so um, they, well, no, they also- It's radically are, different, Mark. It's radically yeah, different right yeah. now. So I don't know, Sam, what are your kind of thoughts about different areas, you know, where vineyards are located and, and whatnot? I mean, I know you guys, 
have a lot of vineyards at the top of the mountains, which seem to be sitting in it and, and then yeah. in closer proximity than me. That's that. Um, the proximity factor is certainly a concern. Um, you know, the, the Hennessy fire started essentially a, you know, few properties away from Oakville ranch. Um, but it burned the opposite direction, which means that the you know prevailing winds were blowing in the opposite direction. So how much smoke's out there, we don't know. Um, I would say, and again, this is you know just my obsessive checking of of purple air, and I wish more people at the top of the mountain had purple air sensors. Um, everybody go out and buy one. I don't have any stock, but I'm going to buy some before this episode airs. Um, is is it seems like the higher elevation stuff is that's where I'm more concerned. And you could see it, especially in those first few days. Yeah, you know, you'd be down here in, in the valley, and 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 it would be okay. And you'd look up and, and, you know, looked like a fog bank had rolled through, except for that it was smoke, not fog. And you couldn't see the tops of the mountains. Um, so that's, that's definitely, you know, and, and of course, unfortunately, those are also the grapes that are the highest value. Um, so, you know, there's definitely my concern is on the elevation stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and, but then again, I also think there must be a concern for the stuff in Carneros. Um, on the valley floor because how much smoke is being held up at you know at in the bay and then it seems to push up valley you know i mean right now the numbers just since we've been on the air have jumped quite a bit in the south part of valley again on purple air's number but um so i i yeah that's all yeah you can kind of see it out there i mean yeah you know um so yeah you know like I said, it's it's a test everything, and and maybe you'd be more concerned in Carneros because Pinot Noir ripens faster and and is going to have higher sugar levels. You know, you talk about Cabernet at the top of the mountain; it's barely going through Verasion. There's you know, bricks at twelve and thirteen, um, so there's not a lot of sugar in there for all these these compounds to bind with anyway. Is that uh, you know is that going to help? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, hopefully this like uh, isn't super frustrating to people who are listening. That basically that answer to any of this is it's um, as def- you know it's just too soon to know. There's it's just too soon to know. Another parallel with the COVID. Right. We, we can have a conversation for an hour, and then when we're done, we come back no around way. to the same thing, and we have no freaking idea. Yeah. You know, might be a fun year to make some pet net. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just grabbed a bottle of the Blue Farm pet net yesterday. It was nice to see Todd Jolly went to um, went to Sonoma's Best with uh, the Steves um, yesterday for lunch after after uh, Bart was driving the forklift and uh, Steve was using the the pitchfork while the other Steve was kind of uh overseeing the entire operation and then uh then we went out to lunch and got to see todd and he there was just a few bottles left of that blue farm pet net so i grabbed a bottle um so i can't wait to try that but you that's, guys, uh, and that's why i had heard a rumor that you were going to stop here but clearly you had too much fun uh at um you know sitting out it's if you guys haven't I had never sat out back before, but to get a sandwich and I, I had a Cuban sandwich, which was great and sat out back. We, 
Todd turned us on to a nice Sauvignon Blanc from France. It was, you know, under 20 bucks or something. It was great. And, and then just sat outside and it was, you know, one of those normal moments where you're sitting around talking about wine and food and school and zoom and, um, just kind of, just kind of time, time goes by and you're, it's nice not to be wearing the mask and hanging out. Yeah. Ryan, any, um, any news on, are you, uh, are you going to serve an internship in production? Uh, or are you, are you, are you yeah, I think, you know, it's, or do you it's, like your back too much? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, it's been a slow process. You know, I originally talked to the winemaker through text and then I went to Keller estate and met with him. Um, and then just heard yesterday or the day before he reached out and said, are you still interested? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, let me talk to the office. So I guess that means human resources. And, um, and then, um, you know, I don't know if a lot of people are going to be doing the same thing. Um, they were originally supposed to have two interns that were coming from Mexico. That fell through. And so what they're doing is assembling a team rather than having two interns. I think it's going to be five of us and every because everyone has limited availability. So it's kind of like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. You kind of find the availability for everyone and then you put together the right team based on having full coverage of, of the winery. So so I've offered Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday all day, and then any other day until three o'clock because it, it's close enough to Sonoma that I can jump over to to the Fairmont if I have to. So, so yeah, yesterday it was it was nice watching you guys yesterday because I was kind of getting a glimpse into my future. Um, not well, quite. You, you didn't you didn't see anyone cleaning the drains though. <laughs> no. So that's that's more your future, I think. Yeah, I <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of. Uh, using a hose and that's why i was wondering about the shoes that you guys were wearing because i know i'm gonna have to get some good shoes that are comfortable that i can get wet and then hopefully dry them out for the next day and something with some toe protection because i can see dropping a barrel or two on my feet i don't know yeah steel toe boots are a, are a very good idea um because barrels no matter what are you know they're not it's that they're all that heavy it's just that they're awkward um yeah so, yeah well you and, got that and, the, the the end of the barrel you know where you got right. the, the metal ring if that comes down on you that's not going to be um a pleasurable I, experience so brian was looking at the forklift like going you know this is a pretty good job just driving the forklift around yeah and um but i was I checking out how mark him. seeing how to dump the grapes into the destemmer. i was like all right i could do this so Sam, how long how, Sam, how long does it take to Sam, how long does it take to become a tractor driver? Go from picker to tractor driver at Enterprise. I'm well. I'm 37, and I still haven't made it, so I don't know. <laughs> as as long as it takes to get some wine from Saxon or Cinquanon, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you know, the, you, you got to be ready for those opportunities, though. There's always, you know, it might be that one day that someone doesn't show up or something, and then you go, hey, you know, next man up. Like you'd be like, oh, okay, I can do that. So I'd, I'd like to know how to do it. One of the first time, when I was first learning how to drive the forklift, I was working in the warehouse at Kenwood and I was supposed to move a row of pallets to another row. And it was Friday afternoon. I think it was myself and John Sheila, the president of the company. We were about the only ones there. And I pulled a pallet in and I hit this water pipe, PVC water pipe <laughs> that was running on the outside of the wall and it broke immediately. 
and there was water just like flooding the warehouse. There were drains in there, but it was still flooding the warehouse. And I had to run up and reintroduce myself to John because I don't think he knew my name still. And, <laughs> and he didn't know how to turn off the water. He had to call his brother-in-law. I had to call Mike. And um, the water ran for about 25 minutes. And so after that, I was taken off forklift and put back on pallet jack. <laughs> a wise <Ryan>. decision. <laughs> Describe a day. What are you going to do as an intern? John, I, I literally have no idea. I think, um, oh, you guys froze up on me. And you probably think I froze. Um, uh, it's not me. I got full system. It I, might, so oh, describe, oh, there we describe what you would have an intern do for yes. day one yeah. harvest. I mean, I, I think, you know, Brian's day-to-day -day jobs, if, if you're at a winery and you're working there before harvest, you know, you're cleaning things. You're cleaning the tanks. You're cleaning the crusher, the distemmer. You're cleaning bins. It's, you know, you, you learn the business end of a, of a pressure washer very quickly. Um, and, and you're scrubbing things. You're cleaning. Once harvest starts, um, it's anything from raking out bins into the destemmer. Well, first of all, it's cleaning again. You know, you come in in the morning and you clean everything and you get ready to do your, your work. And then you process your fruit, whether you're crushing grapes or pressing. Um, and, and that's raking grapes, it's shoveling grapes, it's, uh, again, cleaning bins. Um, you might be going around the winery and pulling samples um, with some time. They teach you how to run sugars and temperatures, and you'd be going around all the fermentation tanks and checking the sugar and make sure that all the fermentations are healthy. Um, uh, you might be going to get lunch for everybody. Um, uh, you take a walk out to... Uh, the vineyard, you know, um, you know, with some time, someone might teach you how to sample vineyard. You'd be walking through doing sam grape sampling. It, it's really dependent on on the size winery. I mean, where Brian's working, smaller winery, small crew. My guess, you're going to do everything, everything. But yeah. mostly, but mostly cleaning. <laughs> I was surprised actually at how big the property was because I had driven by. You know, anyone that's gone down Lakeville from Petaluma to 37. Um, you know, you see it up on the left-hand side. It's a beautiful property. But when you get up there, you realize how expansive it is. Um, did you see the car collection? No, I didn't see any of that. Um, but I did learn that not only do they do their own wines, but they also do a little custom crush stuff too. So um, it's going to be busy, I'm assuming. Yeah. You're, you're and on, yeah, go ahead, John. Who knows out there on, on Lakeville? It's just, it's like you go by it so many times and I've never stopped. So I'm glad that you're going there. It's interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, well, you guys will definitely get, um, you'll get the inside skinny. Oh, man. I think, did I freeze up or you guys freeze up? Uh. Guys, I apologize if you can hear me. We're having unstable connection here. And this has been an issue with Zoom. There we are. All right, says we're still recording. You know, I don't know if this is, um, we had an issue. Yeah, we had an issue yesterday with, you know, we've had all the kids. Uh, we have five kids that are going from house to house for their, um, for schools and, 
I know Zoom had some real issues on Monday, and then we had some internet connection issues at our house yesterday. So that's why we started recording when we did. Um, we're getting a new router for the house, and we got those little things that plug into the wall that kind of boost your, yeah. your internet connectivity. Um, but it's, um, you know, they said that they've got something like it's 100,000 schools you know, that started this week on Zoom. And so, I, you know, I think they just got a little overwhelmed with the amount of um, usage. Uh, We're going to lose him again, guys. Should we just wrap up for the day? Yeah, John, I can hear you. Um, why don't we go ahead and um, check out. You know, what's, what's really funny is Althea is just starting to talk. Yeah, we should say well, thanks so dad. much. It sounds like thanks, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so much for any shout outs for today. Yeah, yeah sorry, shout guys. Outs to Cal Fire. All shout outs go to Cal Fire this week. Cal Fire, yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. All right, guys, we'll wrap it up. I'm going to hit stop on the recording.